Welcome to the Drinking with the Saints podcast with Mike and Alexandra Foley. Where each week, we mix a bartender's guide with the lives of the saints to help you celebrate the feasts of the calendar with liturgically correct cocktails. Let's get started. Welcome, saintly sippers, to the Drinking with the Saints podcast. I'm Mike Foley. And I'm Alexandra Foley. And Happy New Year! Happy New Year! Merry Christmas! We pray that it's been and continues to be a wonderful, merry 12 days of Christmas. Absolutely. I'm laughing at Mike because I think that's the first time he has used our new moniker for our listeners. That's right. And congratulations to Bill Archer for winning the contest of the nickname, Saintly Sippers edged out over other excellent candidates such as Bibulous Believers and Communion of Sots, which we may also still work in now and then. (laughs) Yeah, you will. And thank you for all your submissions. That was really wonderful. And for the voting. We really appreciate it. So Bill, send us your address and you will receive a free copy of the Drinking with the Saints Deluxe Edition. Yay! We have an exciting episode. We are going to talk about perfect drinks for New Year's Eve. We'll talk about two and then we'll do some New Year's Eve trivia based on, by sheer coincidence, my latest book, Why We Kiss Under the Mistletoe, Christmas Traditions Explained. I still don't know why we kiss under the mistletoe. I actually read that entry, and I'm still confused. It was so detailed. Just close your eyes and pucker up. (laughs) Our mistletoe is huge, I think I mentioned in a previous podcast. And let's just say it's gotten a lot of use. It's gotten a lot of use, but man, it does not age well, mistletoe. It shrivels up. It's never a beautiful plant to begin with, let's just be honest. No, yeah. But hey... Whatever excuse to kiss. That's all I It gets the job done. Exactly. All right. What about that drink? You got it. Uh, First of all, let us say, stay with us, O Lord, for it is getting towards evening. And bless our drinks and our conversation. Amen. Amen. St. Sylvester? Pray for us. Pray for us. That's right. It is. Well, that's one of the trivia questions. As soon as I said, I was like, and I just blew one of the trivia questions. So we have a Drinking with the Saints original cocktail called... Godly prosperity. It is based on the the title that is is based on a greeting that Saint Thomas More gave to one of his friends in a letter. May God greet you in the new year with godly prosperity. And I love that because we always hope for prosperity, and a lot of New Year's customs are all about having a prosperous new year, hmm. but godly prosperity. Right. So it's okay to wish for prosperity. Mm-hmm but it should be godly prosperity. We are not at all talking about the prosperity gospel now, are we? Or the Protestant work ethic, no. Or the Protestant work (laughs) ethic, yeah. Because we're neither Protestant, nor do we have much of a work ethic. (laughs) Especially during these 12 days. (laughs) I have barely burned any calories in days. In other words, it's been fantastic. Exactly. All right, tell me the ingredients, Mrs. Foley. Okay. The godly prosperity is half an ounce of cinnamon schnapps with gold flakes. Yes. So there are real gold flakes in this liqueur. And we'll talk about the reason for that in a moment. Talk about prosperity. That is not much. Yeah, those gold flakes go a long ways. (laughs) So it's cinnamon, and then it's going to be a quarter of an ounce fresh lemon juice. It's the sound of Mike squeezing a lemon. 
Next, you'll have three ounces of a chilled Brut sparkling wine. And a Brut, I imagine, because the cinnamon schnapps is sweet, and so you don't want, you want a dry champagne. Well, we're going to hear the pop. Oh, I wish. It's a screw-on. Oh, it can still pop. Nope, it can't. I don't know what I was thinking. Really anticlimactic. We're so cheap. How about this? I can't do it because I'm laughing. Well, that... You're making me smile. Not a good sound effect. All right, you guys know what I'm trying to do. Like, when you were a kid, you would make that popping sound by sticking your finger in your mouth and flicking your cheek. Never mind. There we go. Thank you. See, because I wasn't making you laugh. Well, you know why I'm good at that? Oh, do I want to know? Because in cinematography, when you look at the final credits roll, a Foley artist is the guy in charge of special effects. Sound effects. Sound effects. That's what I meant. Sorry. Special sound effects. Indeed. You are yourself quite good at sound effects. Sometimes intentional. Oh, this looks good. You can see, so it's, you know, it's kind of like a lemony looking color. And then you can see the little gold flakes on top. Cheers. Cheers. Happy almost New Year. To a godly prosperity of the coming New Year. Amen. Not bad. (laughs) Well, I mean, cinnamon schnapps, you think, but it's pretty cool. It's visually very appealing. Very, very beautiful. And it's chock full of symbolic meaning. So everyone loves champagne on New Year's Eve. And a champagne cocktail is the sort of historically posh thing to do. You think of like Nick and Nora in the 30s. The champagne cocktail was sort of the... The drink of the rich and famous. The it drink. Exactly. So the reason why we have the gold is that there was an old tradition or an old belief that drinking precious metals was good for your health. So that's one way to spend your dime. Exactly. (laughs) Again, sort of a rich Yeah. Rich. It's like lighting your cigar with a dollar bill or a hundred dollar bill. Yeah, exactly. So uh yeah, that's why we've got the gold. It's supposed to be good for you. And of course, I'm sure there's some new age school of thought that backs this up and says, oh, yeah, absolutely. Precious metals. Well, I, you know, as you know, I take colloidal silver when I have like a thing in my eye or sometimes if I have a cold, I'll gargle with it. And that's, you know, silver. So that's right. There's something to it. Yeah. It's scientifically proven. Of course. On the Internet. Well, we are enjoying a godly prosperity right now, but there is a second drink we really want to recommend to folks, even though you may have difficulty finding the right ingredients in time for this New Year's Eve, but at least keep it in mind for future events. It is the German New Year's Eve tradition, Fireball or Feuerzagenbola. Fireball. And it's super cool. It is a hot mold wine, but... It is spectacular in a visual kind of way. You get a fireproof or heatproof Christmas punch bowl. (laughs) You get what's called a steel bridge that goes over the lip of the bowl. And on top of it, you put a sugar cone. This was a very common thing in American supermarkets back in the day. Hmm. It's now rather rare. We can only find ours at a German deli in Dallas. It's 
a cone-shaped mass of hard sugar. And what you do is soak it in 151-proof rum. You had me at 150-proof, dear. Well, fortunately, it burns up because you don't want to drink 151-proof rum on its own. But you put the soaked sugar cone over the still bridge and you set it on fire. And it emits this luminous blue flame and it slowly melts the sugar, which then is infused into the drink. It's a great crowd pleaser. We do it every year, but we thought it wouldn't work well on the radio, so to speak. That's right. It actually really is a crowd pleaser. And it's one of those things that Mike does. And every year I'm like, this is the year. Our house goes up in flames. This is just the end. And I'm just a doubter because it always turns out great. And then also just like balances the drink in a nice way that has the right sweetness because the, the concoction itself is, doesn't have any sweet. That is correct. You have to wait for the sugar to melt. Right. So that's the only disadvantage is you have to wait for the sugar to melt. So you can't prepare it ahead of time is what you're saying. So people, your guests don't walk in. You're like, here's your fireball. That's right. I gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. That's why you just hand them a martini when they walk in. There you go. Or a godly prosperity. Godly prosperity, yeah. One of our hosting rules was to get a drink in people's hands as quickly as possible upon their arrival. That is courtesy of my dad, Kevin Ryan, who is a great host. Absolutely. I'll mention one other thing about the fire bowl before we move to the next segment. I can't remember the guy's name, but there is a famous German chef and mixologist, and he had this heartwarming video about the fire bowl, but it was just so wonderfully German, if I may say so. I, I'm part German, so I'm not taking pot shots. But And I'm part German too. That's right. So And we have a German shepherd, so it's all good. We can say whatever we want about the Germans at this point. Also, we watched a Nazi movie yesterday. So Those like bloody Krauts. We can say whatever we want about them. So As Mick Krauts, we can say Mick Krauts, exactly. So he, he, he gives this heartwarming recollection of, oh, and and I remember the fireball back in Germany and, and the smells of Christmas, and it, it was so good. But just make sure you have a fireproof Christmas ball, because if you don't, you will burn and you will die. <laughs> but enjoy. Exactly. Oh, Merry but Christmas. the smells of Christmas. I'm getting all my accents confused right now. Sorry. It's a little Indian but, in there. But it was, it was so funny. Like It was all heartwarming That's and sentimental. So sweet. But to make sure, <laughs> or you will die. They like to catastrophize, don't exactly. they? <laughs> we have not had a disaster, but we do have a wonderful wedding gift that is a metal punch bowl. It actually, if you turn it upside down, it looks like a military helmet. Yeah, it looks like the Spanish conquistador. It does. Kind of thing. It totally is. Actually, I think you put it on your head a few times <laughs> after your fireball. No comment. <laughs> but I, I mean, we can't use our glass punch bowl. Yeah. No? I'm I wondering. Don't know if it's, it's heat proof. I know. Do, I'm do wondering. you want to burn and die? Don't die and kill your guests. I just want to try it. We should just try it. All right. Okay. So we're doing that again this year, right? Yes, ma'am. Okay. What else are we serving on our New Year's Eve? I only handle the drink portions, and I think I'm covered, so... No, we have to serve more than just the... Well, I know, but that's your your department. The second drink? Godly Prosperity. I'd like to have a a punch that's easy to serve. Am I allowed to go off the Drinking with the Saints menu to just... I'm just going to do like a cranberry, spiced cranberry? Wow. Ouch. Well, we'll talk about it. Not a very supportive wife, am I? All right, let's do a little New Year's Eve trivia to wow your guests. They will walk away so entertained and enlightened that it's crazy. 
As if the gold in their drink wouldn't be enough to enlighten them. Indeed, and enrich them. And oh, that's a good one. <laughs> All right, I'm going to throw some trivia out at Mrs. Foley, whom I suspect has not read the entire Why We Kiss Under the Mistletoe book. I'm a very busy <clears> person. Saying. Just a very busy person. All right, so let's see how well you can do with the following questions. Multiple choice, number one. New Year's Eve is a big deal in which country? Ireland. Scotland. England. Scotland. And Wales. <laughs> I can't do the, the Welsh accent. speaks so strange. I can't do the Welsh accent. So which of those four, we'll just call them quadrants of the British Isles. I'm going to say Scotland because of old Lang Syne. Okay, I have a feeling you're cheating, but you are correct. Okay, I also kind of know this because we hosted a trivia night at a local brewery, Brotherwell, here in town, and I remember that one. Yeah. All right, so do you remember why it's a big deal in Scotland? Oh, actually, I do, because they were like all against like Christmas. They were, it was Presbyterian, Scotch Presbyterian were anti-Christmas. The Scottish Presbyterians were super anti-Christmas, like the Puritans in England, but the Puritans in England eventually lost. The culture war? Both the monarchy and Christmas were restored after Cromwell's little Commonwealth thing didn't play out. Okay. But they did survive in Scotland. Scotland did not recognize Christmas as a legal holiday until the 1950s. And even then, it was common for Scottish workers to have to go to work on Christmas Day into the 1960s. What? So they took all their pent-up winter energy, and they transferred it to New Year's Eve. And so a number of our beloved New Year's Eve customs, such as the singing of Old Lang Syne by the poet, Scottish poet Robert Burns, and the countdown with the clock, those come from the Scottish. Okay, we have a confession to make. We've just been <laughs> drinking this drink, and we've had to pause our recording because of frequent belching. You're welcome. There we is something. So we're gonna we're gonna put a fine spin on this, Alexandra. There is something about this drink that is given to erectation. I knew you're gonna use the word erectation. Well, it's just a fancy, cool word for burping. For burping, but don't people also use it to mean like a like a mental thing? Yes, so... Like erudite? We are big fans of spiritual erudition, where you ingest the word of God. And you burp out. You meditate upon it. And I, I know this sounds ridiculous, but this was a patristic... Hey, we're Catholic. We're earthy people. Exactly. This is a patristic metaphor. So there's a great line from the Vulgate, my heart hath uttered a good word, but in the Latin it's uh, eructavit, uh, bonum verbum, my heart has belched a good word. So when I think you you've actually mentioned that on the podcast before. Drinking the godly prosperity, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. It is an earthly reminder of what should be happening to you spiritually. All right. I like that. So good. just don't don't hide your burp under a basket. Under a bushel. A bushel well, basket. you might want to. Just don't do it too loudly. All right. Number two, this one you probably don't know. In Aww. Scotland, New Year's Eve is also called. Who? Do, do, do. New Year's Eve, not Saint Stephen, uh, Sylvester's Day. Um, yeah, they don't like the saints. Can I have a hint? Can I phone a friend? 
There are two options, but I'll give you one. One is an Irish Scottish word for crazy. For crazy. Do I know the word? Is it like a common word? For crazy, pazzo, it's Italian, bonkers, nutty. Am I at all close? You're looking at me like I'm nuts. Oh, nuts. <laughs> Give up? Uh, yes. They're called the daft days. Daft days. You're a daft man. The da- So daft days? Daft. Yeah, daft. Yeah. I got the daft. Mm-hmm. I love the word daft too. Like she's daft. Yeah. Um, so I get the daft part, but days. Mm-hmm. I thought I thought though it was for New Year's Eve. So well, it is. It's New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, and maybe the day after. But it's just it's a series of days marked by revelry, and they're called daft days. Okay, I like it. I love that. I like. Do you remember what Whit Sylvan and um, Metropolitan calls the days between Christmas and New Year's? No, orgy week. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I said that to my daughter today and a friend, and they're both scandalized. And I was like, no, hey, it's in Whitstillman. It's a thing. Yeah, and it's not that kind of orgy. Are you sure? I mean, like, what what, where, what else does well, orgy mean? Well, like, I'm not, I'm not saying Whitstillman was being... yeah. No, 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 but I know. But, I mean, I think he was just reporting. I don't yeah, think he was exactly. That was the, yeah. the debutante yeah, nickname for debutante it. debutante week. Yeah. Anyway, highly recommend uh, Metropolitan. Metropolitan. Great movie. And we love Whitstillman. All right. The other nickname, Scottish nickname for New Year's Eve is a really tough one. Hogmanay. I was really close to saying that. And we don't know where this word comes from, but it could be actually from the old French, which literally means to the mistletoe, the new year. Hogmanay. Oguilanuf. Somehow they suspect got... (laughs) Because like picture a, a Scotsman speaking old French and not quite getting it right. And so Oguilanuf becomes Hogmanay. You still sound French, though. Je, je, je suis désolé. <laughs> Sing more in French. Maybe later. Voulez-vous coucher? Never mind. <laughs> oh, <laughs> this drink is getting to you. Oh, it's my wife. I can say that. <laughs> Publicly? Exactly. Moving on, moving on. All right, so Hogmanay. Number three. Hogmanay. How do you spell it real quick? H-O-G. M-A-N-A-Y. Okay. Hog, man, A. Yeah, that's it. Hogmanay. Hogmanay. All right, number three. What countries observe New Year's Eve or New Year's Day as the principal gift-giving occasion of the season? Gosh, golly, I have no idea. Like, I know there are several countries that do Epiphany for the major gift-giving. Can I have a hint? European? Yes. I'm going to go with Scotland. (laughs) So they're... Oh, that could be true. I actually don't know, but I would suspect is yes because they're <laughs> not going to be doing Christmas. Christmas. Yeah, and then I could be like, oh, well, let's do Epiphany. That's right. But there is a surprising country, a country you wouldn't expect in Western Europe. Sweden. I was going to say, so that's not right. Okay. Western Europe. Western Europe. Spain. No, um, France. Liar. For for some reason, France maintained New Year's Eve as the day of exchanging gifts because that was the Roman custom. The the Romans exchanged gifts on New Year's Day as a civic holiday, and the French, despite all their wonderful appropriation of Catholicism, kept kept New Year's Day as the principal day of exchanging gifts. I wonder why. Yeah, it's, oh, I forgot the French name for it, but it's it's derived from the the Latin word for the exchanging of gifts, les les étrennes. Huh? Which is from the Latin strene. We're just fascinating our listeners right now. <laughs> so, oh, Mike, speak some more Latin to me, but do it in a French accent. 
Fooly voop. So, Never nope, mind. <laughs> nope. Too far. Too far. All right. Let's move on. Let's make this a little right. more interesting. Well, the other one is the Greek Orthodox. The Greeks think of New Year's Eve and New Year's Day as the visit of St. Basil. So it's interesting that the the Orthodox love St. Nicholas. He's one of the great wonder workers of their communion of saints. Mm-hmm. But the gift giver is not Nicholas, it's St. Basil. I wonder why. Saint, well, I think it has to do with this Roman custom, and Basil happened to die on January 1st. Okay. And so he visits people on the eve of his visit, uh, the eve of his feast. And do we we don't gifts. celebrate his feast on, on January 1st, though, in the Roman rite? Well, it depends which Roman rite you're talking about. So in the traditional Roman rite, it was moved to June, but in the new Roman rite, it's either January 1st or January 2nd. I think it's probably the 2nd. You think in the new rite, it's January 2nd? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, just... Interesting that there are other traditions and other dates for giving gifts. Okay, as a quick aside, I really love the drink that you invented for St. Basil. Oh, yeah. And just real quick, what is it? It's gin and lemon and mint? It's the great basil because I use basil. Oh, ba- of course. I, mud- I muddle uh, basil. Yeah. It, but it is more of a summer drink. Well, I was going to say, maybe we should serve that for New Year's Eve. And like, nope. I did have a basil plant that I just killed. Oh. All right. Indoors. Question number four, is there a liturgically derived name for New Year's Eve? They David they? I mean, say it's Sylvester. Yeah, this, that's it. This string is going to be tongue-tied <laughs> and brain-tied. That is correct. So in the Western Rite, December 31st is the feast of Pope St. Sylvester. And he just happened to pass away on that day. Mm-hmm. But it is appropriate because he is the first Pope to have been Pope during a time of total civic peace. The Pope before him was the Pope who lived to see the end of the Roman persecutions, and Pope St. Sylvester was elected Pope during a time of peace and died during a time of peace. So when would his date have been? Well, when was Constantine? 363. So the Edict of Milan was 313. That's what I said. I'm sorry, I don't have the dates of Pope St. Sylvester in front of me, but... The point is, he is associated with a new era of civic peace, where the state is no longer persecuting the Christians. And so it's kind of cool that he dies on the eve of the civic new year. Hmm. Okay. I get what you're saying. Civic new year. Exactly. Everyone considers a new year to be like a new start. Exactly. Yeah, and so you. in Germany, New Year's Eve is Silvesterabend or Silvesternacht. Oh, uh, I love that. Silvesternacht. The Eve of St. Sylvester, or the Night of St. Sylvester, and a lot of customs uh, take their name from Pope St. Sylvester. Is that a thing in Spain, too? Maybe. I really bring a lot to the table when it comes to trivia, don't I? You just stump me. That's all you do. <laughs> yeah. All right. Last question. What is first footing? Uh, hmm. that would be the shoes you wear on New Year's Day because you got new shoes. That was a really good guess, Alexandra. So this has been fun. This is a crazy superstition. And as you may have guessed, saintly sippers, Alexandra and I are big advocates of the tradition. But not everything in the tradition is worth resurrecting. So true. So there was this very interesting superstition that 
the first person who stepped foot in your house on New Year's Day would die. Determined the luck that you would have for the rest of the year. Huh. And above all, what you wanted to do was make sure that a woman was not the first to step her foot in your house. <laughs> Wait, what would that portend? Well, women are bad luck. Dames be crazy. <laughs> yeah, maybe for some sorry sap men, but <laughs> I'm sorry. We're amazing. You are amazing, but you're also- I am your luck. You're also kind of witchy and mysterious, and so we're just not sure if you're going to bring us good luck <laughs> New Year's morning. I just want you to know, I just pulled out a pad of paper, and I'm writing down conversations we're having after the podcast is over, <laughs> and that is one of them. All right. Just so you know, obviously, this is a ridiculously misogynist sort of thing, but- Thank you. It also applied to males as well. They were they were even very specific about males. What no, th- no sensitive ponytail man walking in first? Well, specifically hair color. You did not want a male redhead. Redheads be witchy. <laughs> Too bad the Scotch really aren't doing well on this exactly. podcast. So you don't want a redheaded male stepping through your front door. No. Also... You don't want the first footer to be a flat foot. Am I able to snarf my drink on the microphone? I swear to God I'm not making this up because it's too crazy to make up. They had to have high arches in which water could pass through. But if they were a flat foot person, then they, they they, they were bad luck. So they actually hired groups of boys who met these criteria to go around from house to house to be the first one to step foot into the house on that day. That is daft. <laughs> I'm sorry, that is, this is, that is the daffiest daft thing I've ever heard. All these boys, like, I know from yoga that you can, you know, raise your arch by doing these foot exercises. <laughs> then all year long, those boys are like raising their toes, raising their arches, because they got to make some bank during the, <laughs> during the daft days. That is so crazy. Now you know why they're called daft days. I can't, you have subsumed yourself in so many of these crazy traditions, I know, and I love you for it. Do you ever just like want to go down the wormhole of like, why? Like what, what does that connect to? Or do you have to just at some point be like cut bait? Like this is just some crazy nonsense that just came up through the tradition and we got to just. Well, I mean, a lot of this is pre-Christian, you know, residue, but you know, redheads have always been feared. No, I get that part. Yeah. Oh, you do? (laughs) Makes sense to you? the redhead part, yes. I would love to have redheaded grandchildren, but I have uh, no redheads in my family. Oh, sad. Yeah, yeah. but no, I, mean, I get that. I've always had a always... soft spot for redheads. Yeah, I know. I know you do, <laughs> like most men. <laughs> but I get like they Margaret. <laughs> um, I get that it, that they would just they're other in that way. Yeah, yeah. But the high arch, so a flood could go through. <laughs> like arch. I don't know, like. That's that's yeah. so incredibly specific. Indeed it is. It's crazy. They're the daft days. Mm. But I'll give you, a, we'll, we'll end on a good note. So there is, underneath this superstition, a principle worth adhering to. Mm-hmm. And it is to think of the first day of the new year as getting off on the right foot. And so there was a tradition that whatever happened on New Year's Day would give you sort of a forecast of the rest of the year. So people, for example, would stuff their pockets full of money 
on New Year's Day in the hopes that the rest of the year would be prosperous. So the normal nursing a hangover as you go to 9.30 mass isn't really the best way to launch? Well, the other thing was better not sleep through your alarm clock on New Year's Day. Because if you sleep in on New Year's Day, you're going to you're going to blow the rest of the year sleeping in. Some people in our family don't really mind sleeping in, Mike. I have no idea who you're talking about. You, Mike, you. Ouch. <laughs> wow, I'm taking the drink away from you. <laughs> no, you won't. Sharing not. family secrets. <laughs> you're a famous sleeper, as they say. Uh, the other thing was to wear new clothes okay, on New, new Year's Day, Day right? Yeah. So it's, again, just like this kind of like, hey, new clothes now, new clothes for the rest of the year. Sure. You ate plentifully on New Year's Day. This guarded against starvation later in the year. So I don't know no, a lot of this is superstitious, but I think there's a good moral principle behind it that you don't greet the new year in a spirit of debauchery or lechery or gluttony that you you start things off on the right foot. So that's the grain of truth amidst all this superstition. I mean, isn't that really just what we are all about when we do New Year's resolutions? Like yes. this is a hard date. You know, I mean, a hard, like a solid, bright line date. As of tomorrow, I no longer smoke, swear, kill people, whatever, <laughs> whatever your, whatever your, like, your like little thing is. It's up to you. But that's, yeah, like it's, it's, it's the bright line of a new day. As of now, I don't do these things. Correct. Well, we wish you all a very, very happy new year. We hope you put your best foot forward and that your arches are high. Indeed. To your health and holiness. God bless. Thank you for joining us. Please get in touch with us via email at podcast at drinkingwiththesaints.com. Or on our Instagram page at Drinking Saints. And find Drinking With The Saints book series at drinkingwiththesaints.com or wherever fine books are sold. The Drinking With The Saints podcast is produced by Back Row Media.